All right. Well, let's go to God's word. If you're new with us, you'll find a sermon, no cheat, help you follow along. It's inside your bulletin. What we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is we've been talking about walking in the favor of God. And if you missed any of the first two messages, I encourage you to go to our Facebook, YouTube, or our website. You can get caught up because we've already talked a whole lot about the favor of God and what it is and how it works and how his favor can increase in our life as we grow in our relationship with him. Now, if you remember, I gave you two principles, very practical uh, uh, over the last two weeks. Principle number one, if you want to increase in favor with God, stay close to Jesus. I mean, that should be the principle for a lot of things in life, really. That really sums up how uh, your Christian life, what it needs to be, but stay close to Jesus. Principle number two is if you want to increase in favor, imitate Jesus. And we talked about several things last week that Jesus did in the story from Luke chapter 2 that really set the stage for an increase of God's favor in his life. Remember what we talked about? He made God's house a priority. It wasn't a maybe, it was a must, right? He made knowing the word of God a priority. He made the pursuit of wisdom a priority, and he made humility a priority. And the result was, Luke chapter 2, verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and what? In favor with God. Now, there's one more important thing that I want to talk to you about as we kind of close this series out that was a very consistent part of Jesus's life. It was a very big contributing factor to the power that was at work in his life, to the favor of God that increased in his life. And here's what it is. Jesus understood the priority of prayer. We see his prayer life mentioned for us all throughout the gospel records. And I want to just give you a few verses. This is, this is not an exhaustive list, but it's almost as the, the gospel writers, they're, they're, they're writing down and they're like, hey, I remember this all the time with Jesus. Look what it says in Matthew 14, verse 23. It says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the, on the mountain by himself to what? pray. Mark chapter 1 verse 35, it says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went up and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now look at Luke chapter 5 verse 16, it says, so he himself often, otherwise this was a habit that they noticed all the time, he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Luke chapter 9 verse 28, he took Peter John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Prayer was a consistent part of Jesus's life. Listen, if if you want to increase in favor with God, if you want more of his power at work in your life, then you must learn how to pray. Here's what I want you to know. Look, the disciples noticed a correlation between Jesus's prayer life and the power of God that was operating in his life. They noticed a connection between those two things. That's why we read this in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I need you to understand It's not that the disciples didn't know how to pray. Remember, they're Jewish men that grew up in a culture that prays more and was more devoted to prayer than any culture in the history of the world. 
They were very familiar with prayers and praying. What Jesus is really being asked here is this. Lord, teach us how to pray like you do. Because they understood there's a correlation between his prayer life and the favor of God that's operating in his life. The power of God that's operating in his life. They want to be able to pray like Jesus and and be able to see more of God's power flow through them as well. And can I say that's Jesus' desire as well. God's desire is that his favor would increase in your life. God's desire is that his power would increase in your life. And so because of that, Jesus teaches them how he prays. And what he teaches them, we now call the Lord's Prayer. And in it, we find out the type of praying that will lead to an increase in God's favor, to an increase of his power at work in our life. Now, we're going to study the Lord's Prayer this morning out of Matthew's gospel. Um, The verse I just read, Luke 11, is where Jesus teaches the disciples the Lord's Prayer in a private setting. Uh, In Matthew, Jesus teaches it to the crowds, the Sermon on the Mount. And there's more about prayer in Matthew's account so that we're going to study out it out of that passage. Here's the first thing that you need to, to know about prayer. And, and this may shock you, but it's just a truth that you got to understand. You can pray and you can pray a whole lot and then not be effective. You can pray and it be a giant waste of your time. Because not all prayers are effective. You say, I don't know if I believe that, Pastor. Well, how do you know that? Well, look what Jesus says, starting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. He says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Jesus is talking about religious hypocrites here. People who say they're all about God's kingdom, but in reality aren't. They're only concerned about their own personal kingdom and trying to leverage God to build it. What do they do? They they put on a religious front in the name of God that may fool everybody else, but it doesn't get anywhere with God. Look what Jesus said. Jesus is the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Why? Because they're trying to build their own kingdom, right? Right? Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And what's their reward? Praise from men only. It doesn't lead to God's favor. This is what you can call self-centered prayer. Okay, please understand me this morning. Self-centered prayer doesn't mean that you can't pray for yourself. You can and you should pray over your life. What Jesus is talking about here is people who are trying to leverage God to build their own personal kingdom. They don't, God's kingdom is not really their concern. They care about their kingdom. That's a self-centered prayer. Now, Jesus goes on to talk about another type of prayer in verse six. He says this, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, let's call this God-centered prayer. This is the type of prayer that God desires. Now, now when Jesus says, pray to your father who is in secret, he's, he's not 
talking about the physical location of your prayers. He's not saying that you have to always go to this place where no one else but God can hear you when you pray. How many know that Jesus in the Gospels, he prayed publicly and he prayed privately and they were both effective. The physical location is not so important as the spiritual posture of your heart when you pray. Is God at the center? Is it about him? Is it about his kingdom and how it needs to flow out in my life? And we're going to just we're going to see that in a moment when we get to the Lord's prayer. Jesus then goes on to give us a third type of prayer, verse 7. He says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Now, let's call this one repetition-centered prayer. So what does Jesus say? Don't make prayer into a formality is what Jesus is saying. Don't turn it into a formula as if if you just say it, it's like magic dust. Don't turn prayer into something that becomes mindless repetition or just kind of duty to try and earn God's favor. Because when that's what it becomes, your prayers become nothing more than a giant waste of time. You understand, many people in the world believe that there are certain types of prayers or chants or rituals or sayings or actions. If they just kind of repeat those things often enough, it will force God to work on, on their behalf. As if, as if God's somehow in heaven with a whiteboard and your name on it and going, check. That's one. Two, when you get to a thousand, then I'll do something. Okay, you ready for this? God hears you. He's not deaf. He knows the things that you have need of even before you ask, Jesus says. You know, uh, years ago when my kids were little, out of the study of this passage, um, you know, we teach our kids to pray. And, and when I studied this passage, I picked on, up on something with my kids that the Lord challenged me to change. And what was happening is they got used to saying their prayers, like, you know, the canned prayers, like, you know, uh, now I lay my head down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep, amen. Or, you know, the one when you pray, what's the one you pray? Uh, or when you eat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they were just doing it real fast. And it was just like mindless, okay? And it's like, we just, we just want to eat. We just want to go to sleep. And, and I didn't condemn them for it, but I, I would stop them and say, okay, I, I heard that was a good prayer, but I want you to pray from your heart to God's heart. Because, because I wanted to mold them and teach them how to, to, to pray. What Jesus is teaching us here in Matthew 6 is that not all prayer is effective. And, and that's a sobering reality because everyone prays with the hope that their prayers are going to be effective. Now, here's the question that we have to ask. How do we pray God-centered prayers? I mean, what, do, what does that even look like? And, and how do God-centered prayers lead to a release of his power or his favor in my life? Well, the Lord's prayer shows us. It's important that you understand that when Jesus gave this prayer, his intention was to teach us how to pray, not what to say. 
It was never his intention to give us a repetitious prayer to recite. I mean, that would make no sense in light of what we just read. Now, listen, while there's nothing wrong with reciting the Lord's Prayer, listen, that could be very meaningful. It could be very appropriate when it's said from the heart, very spiritual. Jesus' intention was to teach us how to pray in such a way that it would lead to the power of God at work in our life. So let's go and read the Lord's Prayer together. Jesus said, in this manner, therefore pray. And and you know this. Would you read it with me? It's going to be on the screen. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I want you to focus your attention on the last line of that prayer for a moment. It's one of the most powerful doxologies that you will find in all of scripture. And it's, it's the key to understanding prayer. It's the key to the power of prayer. And it's why we need to develop the habit of prayer. For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory. Now, I got a question for you. Who is yours in the verse? God. Heavenly Father, yours is the kingdom. Heavenly Father, yours is the power. Heavenly Father, yours is the glory. Listen, when you understand how those things relate to prayer, it will change the way you pray. It will revolutionize your very Christian life when you understand how those things are connected to one another. What it will do is it will cultivate, when you, when you start to pray in such a way where you understand these things, it will cultivate a relationship with God in your life that will set the stage for an increase of his favor in your life. So, so when you pray, there are three things that you and I, when we pray, there are three things that we need to keep in mind when we pray. You get this down in your spirit, it's going to change your relationship with God. It's going to change the way you pray. It's going to change the way you live. Here's number one. It's about his kingdom. It's about his kingdom. It is all about God. It's about his name. It's about his will. It's about his provision. It's about his forgiveness. It's about his perfect, uh, protection. When you finish the Lord's Prayer, we're all reminded it's all about God and his kingdom. Why? For yours is the kingdom. Listen, I'm a beneficiary of the kingdom, but it's about his kingdom. So here's what I want to propose to you. Don't start your prayer as, as if it's all about you. That's hard, right? You know why that's hard? Because we are 21st century American Christians. It's hard because our culture says it's all about you. What you want and what you think and what you want to do and what you think is right and wrong. You, 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 you. Do you understand? That's the gospel that our world teaches us and preaches to us. 
Let me drop a truth bomb into your life. You got to get this in your spirit. Okay? Look at me. Eye to eye. Danielson, look eye, right? Look eye. Karate kid. Some of you don't remember. Okay. Are you ready? It's not about you. It's about God and his kingdom. If you want the favor of God on your life, this is where it all starts. It's not about me and my kingdom. It's about God and his kingdom and how I fit into that. You go into prayer with that mindset. Notice the beginning of the prayer. uh, Verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know what that's saying? It's saying, God, I focus on you. You are in heaven above all things and over all things. Hallowed be your name. There's none like you. There's none more holy. There's none more wiser. There's none more smarter. There's none more powerful than you. That's what hallowed means. You are my father, but oh my goodness, my father is almighty God. Therefore, what's the next line? Your kingdom come. Now, now what does that mean? It means his rule and reign come into my life. Listen, when you have a kingdom, you have a king ruling over that kingdom, right? And kings rule and reign. Okay, let me, let me, once again, Americans, listen, listen to me. God's kingdom is not a democracy. That's right. That's where some of us struggle in our relationship with God. You and I don't get a vote. What God says is the final verdict. What he says is right is right. What he says is wrong is wrong. What he wants is what should be a priority in my pursuit in my life. That's why the next line of the prayer says this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, a a lot of people believe that the will of God is automatic in their life. As if, you know, I, I, you know, God loves me. I just do whatever I want to do. And God, you know, God's just going to, that's not, that's not how it works. God's will is not always done on earth as it is in heaven. It's always done in heaven, but his will is not always done on earth. That's why we need to seek after his kingdom and his will in our life. And listen, prayer is how you go about aligning yourself with his kingdom and his will. Do do you remember how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane right before uh, he was going to the cross? I mean, in his humanity, his flesh is wrestling with God's will of the cross to come. How many know it's easy to, to want to do God's will when, it, when it's easy, but it's, when it's hard, it's another thing. The, the flesh doesn't want to line up with that. When, it, when it's going to be painful, when it's going to cost me something, that's another thing. And Jesus knows what the kingdom is about, and he knows what God's will is for his life. And so he's trying to line up his humanity, his flesh, with the kingdom of God and, and, and God's will. And look how he prays. Luke chapter 22. And he was withdrawn from them, talking about the disciples, about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but what? Yours be 
done. How many know there's a spiritual battle? We face a spiritual battle as, as people of God to keep ourselves aligned with the kingdom of God and the will of God. How many know what I'm talking about? Prayer is one of the ways and one of the tools that helps you get yourself into alignment. Do you understand this was always Jesus' utmost concern? It was always about the kingdom and the will of the Father. Look at some of these things that Jesus said. Uh, Book of John, John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John chapter 4, verse 34, my food. Otherwise, you want to know what drives me? Do you want to know what motivates me? Do you want to know how I live out my life? Is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John chapter 12, verse 49, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. Kingdom of God was always Jesus' priority. Here's the problem. There are too many Christians who wear the uniform of the kingdom. They go to church. They own a Bible. They post some good Christian memes on their social media. But in reality, their life is serving another kingdom. Listen, if you don't recognize God as your king and how you function, then you jeopardize the rest of the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer only works if it's his kingdom that is of your concern. But if you're concerned about your rule and your management and your status and your position, not under the king, but you just want the king to do what you want, then you jeopardize the rest of the prayer. Why? Because his is the kingdom. Here's why we need to be willing to voluntarily submit ourselves to the rule of God in every area of our life as we pursue our relationship with him. Okay, this, this is so big. Listen to me. It's because if we allow him to rule, he will control the outcome. Because outcome is tied to his rule. If you leave his role, you jeopardize the outcome. You limit his favor from being at work in your life. Every day, our prayer needs to be, God, as I pursue my relationship with you, Heavenly Father, your will over my will, your rule over my rule, your word over my word, your way over my way. God, the most important thing in my life is that I am in alignment with your kingdom and your will. Because yours is the kingdom. It's all about your kingdom. So when you, when you go to pray, what, what's the first thing you need to remember? It's about his kingdom. Here's the second thing you, you need to keep in mind. It's through his power. Look at it again. For yours is the kingdom and the power. 
It's the very power that I desperately need to be at work in my life. Listen, God, I need your provision in my life. Give us this day our daily bread. I need your forgiveness in my life. Forgive our debts. I need your grace and operation in my life so that I can have the power to forgive my debtors. I need protection in my life so I can be victorious over the enemy. Oh, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's what I want you to understand. We rob ourselves of his power when we don't submit to his kingdom. Think about this. Outcome is tied to his rule and his kingdom is tied to his power. Oh, let me say that again. His kingdom is tied to his power. That's why it says, uh, think about Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine according to the what? Power that works in us. God wants his power to work in us. But if we are not submitted to his kingdom, you're not going to have access to his power. And there's so much that God wants to do. You know, it's very easy to go around and say, God, you're first in my life. But there will be a limit of power in my life if, if real submission to his kingdom is not happening. Look, look at some of these things. First, Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord, we read this scripture, we read it a few weeks ago. For the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect toward him. That doesn't mean that you don't have issues in your life. It means that you are wholeheartedly dedicated to him. That's the idea. And when that happens, what? So that he can show his what? Great power and helping them. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, the people who know their God, otherwise they know their God, they know it's about his kingdom, they know it's about his will, shall be strong and carry out great exploits. We, we looked at this last week, Matthew 6, 36, but seek first the kingdom of God. Oh, when you make that your priority. Oh, when you submit to that in your life. You, look, look, watch this. But seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's his will, right? His kingdom, his will, all these other things that you worry about. God's going to help with the outcome. This explains a mystery to you. Some of us have read this verse and been confused. This unlocks this verse. James 5, 16. It says the prayer of a righteous person. Do you know what a righteous person is? Someone who makes the kingdom a priority and the will of God a priority. They're walking in kingdom life. They're walking in righteousness, in God's will. Listen, the prayer of a righteous person is what? Powerful and effective. Because the kingdom is tied to his power. Let me, let me give you an example of this principle at work in Jesus' life. You remember at the beginning of his, his ministry, um, he was baptized by John the Baptist, and then he went to the wilderness to pray and fast for 40 days. Do you know what Jesus was doing? He was getting himself aligned with the kingdom and the will of God. And you remember the devil came and tempted him? And every time the devil tempted him, what was his response? 
Because the devil was like, hey, you can do this apart from God's kingdom. You can do it your own way. And Jesus says, nope, nope. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that come from the mouth of God. Over and over, Jesus is saying, I'm not falling for that because it's not about me. It's about him and his kingdom and his will. Over and over again, he submits himself to the kingdom. And look what we read about at the end of the passage. What's the result of that? Now look at this. Luke chapter 4 verse 13. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Otherwise, he's going to try again. What was the result of his submission to the kingdom? Jesus returned in power of the Spirit to Galilee. He returned in power. What happened after the submission? There was increased power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. I mean, people were amazed. They're like, there's a glory in his life. They're just, they're amazed. Yours is the kingdom and the power. The outcome is tied to his rule. And his kingdom is tied to his power in your life. So if, if you want to walk in the favor of God, you must make his kingdom a priority. Because it's the road you must travel for his power to be increased in your life. What, one last thing to remember when you pray, and this is... This, this, is, this is something. Watch this. Okay, what have we learned so far? It's about his kingdom. It's through his power. It's about his glory. Okay? All right, eye to eye again. Here, look here, look here, look here. It's not about your glory. Let me say that again because you've got to get that rooted in your spirit. Oh, you get in your spirit, it'll change some things in your life. It's not about your glory. It's for his glory. It's all about his glory. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Otherwise, all the time. Now, here's, here's what glory means. Let me give you just a kind of a, not necessarily a Greek definition, but let me, let me simplify it for you. Glory means to put something on display. It means to highly advertise. It means to show something off. It means people look and go, wow. Here's what you need to understand. His power is tied to his glory. See the progression here? Okay. His kingdom is tied to his power, and his power is tied to his glory. Okay, so, so here's the deal. Here's how you need to think about how God want, what God wants to do in your life with his power, with his favor. I want you to think about the sun, the burning thing in the sky. Okay? The sun has the ability to display a glory that nothing else does, right? The moon doesn't have that ability. But the moon can do what? Reflect the glory of the sun. Okay? Jesus says, 
This is, the Bible tells us this is what Jesus was doing when he was walking. I mean, he's God in the flesh, but he wanted to reflect the glory of the Father, right? Look what this says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. This is talking about uh, when his baptism happened. Remember, he was baptized at the beginning of his ministry. Uh, 2 Peter 1 says, For he received from God the Father honor and what is it? Glory. glory. And where did Jesus get that glory from? When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. You're talking about the glory of God. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen, Jesus understood it was all about the Father's glory. Look what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. He's talking about him getting ready to go to the cross to die for the sins of humanity. And what's his prayer? Watch this. Glorify your son. Why? That your son also may glorify you. It's about your glory in my life. That's what Jesus is saying. And you know, it's funny, when you read the Gospels, all throughout the Gospels, it's interesting. You see him saying things like this. Like, people would come to Jesus. They were like, Jesus, we love your miracles. And you know what Jesus would say? I do it to glorify my Father. People, people would come to Jesus and they would say, oh my gosh, we love your teachings. You know what Jesus would say? I only say what the Father tells me to say. And, and then people would say, Jesus, we're so glad you're here. And you know what Jesus would say? Are you ready for this? The Father sent me. Because he understood it's about the glory of God. So let me, let me put this all together for you. It's all about his kingdom. It's through his power for his glory. Let me, let me put this another way. There's another way of saying this. It's of him, through him, and for him. Look at Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For of him, that's his kingdom, and through him, that's his power, and to him, oh, that's his glory, are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11. He tells us this, In all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Listen, when Jesus tells us to be witnesses to the world, you know, Jesus, it's, 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 Jesus is not, hey, go, go be something amazing to the world so they could sing your praise. Go do something amazing to the world so they could look at your glory and go, wow, look how amazing you are. No, what is witness for Jesus supposed to be about? Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Watch this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. One more. Psalm 145, verse 11. I think this is, this, is where it, this is what it needs to be. This is what we pray over our life. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. That's what happens when you walk in the favor of God. So, think about this. If we pray 
according to his kingdom for his glory, then the power of God will operate through us. If it's about his kingdom for his glory, then the power of God will operate through us. I'm telling you, you get this in your spirit. You get this in your mind. You get this progression going. It'll change the way you live. It'll change the way you pray. It'll change your very relationship with God. This is the key. Listen, so can, I tell, can I just tell you what I feel in my spirit? This is a more profound message than any other message in this series. And if you'll get it down, I'm telling you, it will cultivate an environment where the favor of God can increase in your life. Amen? Would you stand with me as we close? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to encourage you that we're in the middle of a 21-day um, praying for favor in our life over our church. You can read this. If you haven't been with us, you can just pick up, participate with us. I won't go over that again, but, but so many people were praying with us uh, about favor in, 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 in God here at Hope Fellowship in our lives. So I encourage you to do that. Bow your heads with me. Listen, I, I feel like the Lord would say to some of you this morning, you're, you're living for the wrong kingdom. And God's got power available for you, but, but his, 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 king, his kingdom power, it, it, his, his power is tied to his kingdom. And his, and his power is tied to his glory. And so the question is, what kingdom are you living for? What is your concern in your life? If it's not the kingdom and it's not the will of God and it's not about his glory, you're going to miss out on some of the greatest things that God wants to do in your life. So every head bowed and every eye closed. The Lord says some of you need to make a switch in the name of Jesus and you need to stop living for your sake and your kingdom and you need to start making it about God's kingdom and God's will. And so if that's you here this morning and you'd say, that's me, would you just right now to the Lord saying, Lord, I've had it switched. I've had it wrong. I'm so thankful that you're in my life and today is a new day. Today is a day that it's, it's for now on, it's going to be about your kingdom. going to be about your rule. It's going to be about your reign. That's the thing I'm going to seek for your glory so that your favor can operate in my life. Father, I pray over this group right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would root this so strong in our spirit this week that we can't get away from it. Lord, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would remind us just this week in such a way that it would get in our spirit in such a way that it would change things in our life that it would change the way we pray that it would change the way we live that it would change what we seek in the name of Jesus and Lord I pray for increased favor in, in this place on lives on families on this church Lord may it be not for our glory but for your glory and your kingdom in the name of Jesus we pray Amen I'm going to ask our prayer partners, would you come up at this time? Let me say this. If you have never put your faith in Jesus, God's not your heavenly father until you find forgiveness of your sin through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So if you're here this morning and you have never put your faith in Jesus, come up and see one of our prayer partners. We'd love to lead you 
into a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're here this morning and there's just some things going on in your life that you need prayer about, that you need God to, to work in. We would love to pray for you. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. And so if you need prayer, would you come? The rest of you, God bless you. Go walk in, in, in the kingdom and, and, and do it for his glory. And you'll watch and see what the power of God will do in your life. Amen. And next week, we'll talk about the building. God bless you. If you need prayer, would you come? Have a great Sunday.